Welcome to the Bible People podcast. Uh, Justin and I are going through Galatians right now. Um, last week we did Galatians 1, now we're doing Galatians 2. Um, but before we get into it, I want to ask you, Justin, if you could just paint us a picture of what's going on and who who and why circumcision is like important and because I know when I first went through it I was like this is a bit theologically complex and I felt like I needed a better understanding so could you just do that for us for us yeah so really it's 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 theologically complex but but really it's culturally distant and that's kind of the issue um you know if you think about it this way I mean you you're standing 2,000 years across from another moment in time, and there's kind of this chasm that separates. And so uh, there's things that they're going to talk about that for us, we just don't quite understand why that makes sense or why that's important. And so one of those things is you're going to hear them talk about circumcision. And that was a a Jewish practice that kind of marked you out as being a Jew, uh, which would be marking you out as being a, a part of the family of God. And so while Jewish people would try to proselytize, try to be evangelistic and share about their faith, uh, their requirement was, if you really want to become a Jew, then you're going to have to get circumcised. Um, And that was like, that was meant you're in. Um, And so you're going to see an issue kind of come up of, well, what is, does that now in Christ Jesus, is circumcision um, still a requirement to get in? Um, And you're going to hear hear about what we call table fellowship. uh, And that would be, if you weren't circumcised, then Jews that were, were not to eat with the uncircumcised. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a way of marking out, we're the people of God, and you're not. And so um, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit about table fellowship, and then we'll hear about Paul talking about Barnabas. That's a that's a partner in his ministry. Um, he's an encouraging guy, and you can read about him in the book of Acts. Uh, Titus is the person that Paul, again, partner in ministry, he writes a letter we call the book of Titus mm-hmm. to. Um, and you're going to get some of the apostles that, you know, James, Peter, and John, um, those are uh, people that knew Jesus, walked with Jesus, and so he's going to reference them at some point uh, in the letter as well. But those were the people, they were Jewish uh, apostles that were serving in Jewish areas, unlike Paul, who was a Jew uh, apostle serving in un-Jewish, non-Jewish areas. Uh, And so you're going to see how they interact and kind of the, what their focuses are um, in all of this. So that, that's kind of just the background, just sort of a quick, brief sketch of what we're kind of jumping into. Mm-hmm. And of course, in Galatians 1, he's kind of defending uh, his status as an apostle, and then he kind of gives his um, his 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 uh, life overview, you know, and says, hey, you know, I crucified the church, or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was persecuting the church, uh, and then, you know, Lord Jesus saved me. I went away uh, to Arabia, and then that's when we pick it up in chapter 2. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm going to start uh, from verses 1 through 5. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up according to a revelation and presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized as leaders. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Uh, so, Justin, do you see anything and what do you see in that? <laughs> yeah, yeah what, do I, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that what I see is some of the strong language that Paul uses. I mean, he says in in verse 4 that, that, you know, again, he's talking about circumcision here, and he says, Titus, who was a Greek, uh, meaning not Jew, uh, he he wasn't forced to be circumcised, but there was an issue that came up about circumcision. Should he be circumcised? And he says, well, this happened because some false brothers came and infiltrated our ranks, and they, they came to spy on us in order to enslave us. And so he kind of throws some pretty uh, big charges at these guys. He doesn't say, oh, these are just our brothers with theological differences. I mean, he, he calls them out to say this is a false doctrine, making them false brothers. They're spies. They're, they're, they're here to enslave us. And I think that, you know, really he, what he's getting at is the heart of there was people in this church that thought, you know, you can call it Jesus plus. Like, yeah, you know, I, you know, Jesus is great, but mm-hmm. plus circumcision. You still need to get circumcised. You still need to follow the, the the Jewish law, and especially when we're talking about the Jewish law. I mean, we're talking um, not just the the living a good holy life. I think Christians are still expected to to live a holy life uh, because the Spirit regenerates our heart, and we desire those things. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the big concern was, are you doing the things that mark you out as a Jew and, you know, resting on the Sabbath, uh, circumcision and things? And they really felt like this is what makes us part of the family of God is doing these things. Mm-hmm. And um, and part of that's culture, you know, understanding that, hey, look, for thousands of years, this is what it meant to be part of the people of God. And now someone's coming along and saying, it's just about faith. Mm-hmm. It's just about, you know, being free in Jesus. And you see how he says, They've come to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. And so, you know, I think that a lot of times we, in in today's world, we think of sin as sometimes as, oh, that's free and fun. And it's, and, and how Paul would say is actually, when you live in sin, you're a slave to your flesh and you can't do anything else but obey the whatever desire comes along. Mm-hmm. But really, when you live in Christ, you have freedom to to actually make a decision to to do something besides the desires of your flesh. And so, um, yeah, that really stands out to me because I think that we have a lot of false brothers that have infiltrated our ranks, you know, and, and I think we have to kind of take a look around and say, you know, are you, are you really for Jesus and for the gospel, or do you have some kind of ulterior motive? You know, yeah, Jesus is great, plus, you know, my, my political position. Jesus is great, plus, you know, here's the certain works I want us to be focused on. Jesus is great, plus, and it's like, you know, I don't want Jesus plus, I don't want Jesus minus, and I don't want Jesus divided. You know, I want Jesus multiplied on the earth, but um, I, I really, you know, feel like we as Christians have to do a better job at you know, examining people that we we either look up to or um, people that we hear and say, do you have something else, an ulterior motive? I think a lot of false brothers that have come to infiltrate our ranks is uh, maybe one of the pluses is cultural acceptance, you mm-hmm. know, is, yeah, Jesus is great, but we, we got to make sure that culture still loves us and cares. About, and it's yeah. like, nah, just, you know. verses 6 through 10. Now, from those recognized as important, what they once were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised, since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. When James, Cephas, and John 
those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only that we... So one of the things that sticks out to me there is just Paul refusing to, you know, I love that verse six there. He says, uh, you know, now, now those that were recognized as important, what they once were, doesn't that mean anything to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, God yeah. shows no favoritism. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to have that kind of view that, you know, even though there are certain people in the church that we view as their opinion matters and they're important, you know, it's really important that we don't just get blown back and forth from, you know, oh, this new book came out and this new teaching and this, 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 mm-hmm. but to to really get rooted in the Bible and to say, okay, what what, is, what does God say in his word? What does he reveal? Mm-hmm. And let's just, just do this, right. you know? And uh, I think that oftentimes as Christians, we, you know, we, we were almost desperate to find like a celebrity that kind of like validate us. Like, yo, they're one of us. Yeah. Like, uh. mm-hmm. and I know, I mean, did you experience that with, I feel like the biggest, most recent one was Kanye West. Oh, for sure. I remember whenever he dropped Jesus as King, I went to church and they were playing his album full blast. And we walked in, they had the video before they started um, the service. They showed the video of him in the airplane and singing and, you know, it was great. And mm. it was just, but you see where, <laughs> right. yeah, where Kanye kind of is now, and it's like, I think that a lot of it has to do with us. We don't see that too often in like the mainstream mm-hmm. kind of thing, like media. So when we do, we want to grasp on that. I'm like, look, look, he's he's right. doing it, like you know. So it is cool, and it's like, well, it doesn't matter if, right, you know, Kanye makes Christianity cool. Like he doesn't make anything. Right. Right. Cool. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And that's it's so opposite, especially of how Christ is, because, you know, he's not gravitating to the people that are well thought of or positions of power. You know, he's hanging yeah. out with tax collectors and sinners and he's right. actively becoming uncool, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it, it's interesting that as a culture, like you're saying, like when, when Kanye dropped Jesus King, I was really hopeful. But mm-hmm. kind of, you know, Paul talks about how he had Barnabas earlier. And when Paul starts doing ministry, the church is like, "Eh, I don't know about this guy. Mm -hmm. And Barnabas was the one that encouraged him and walked beside him and said, you know, hey, I'm going to see this guy through. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, as a church, sometimes we fail to, to, one, give people like Kanye a Barnabas that's going to be beside him and, you know, encourage him. Um, and, and, And I think also, you know, it's great when we have testimony, but we also have to test the things we're hearing mm-hmm. and and see how their their lives are lived. I think that just because people pay lip service to Jesus doesn't mean that we can turn blind eyes to holiness and to righteousness. You know, I think if anything, it, it hurts our church when, you know, we say, well, this guy, you know, he, he said he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but, but you can look at the, the deeds and say, yeah, this guy has no markings of, yeah. of living a life for Christ. And so it's like we shouldn't, you know, I, I just think it makes us look like like kind of like choose, like pick me people. Like, yeah. oh, they, they, they recognize <laughs> us, you know. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like that's so embarrassing because we have a, a king. We have a lord of lords, right. a, a god that we can talk to. Mm-hmm. And we're like kind of looking for mascots here on earth. Kind yeah, of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're so. looking for mascots, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's just weird because like, we don't need a mascot. We need the spirit of God dwelling in us and just to know our Lord. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's something very human 
and something very, you know, we want to gravitate towards like, oh, see, like we're accepted, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to get used to being rejected and not um, being accepted. We, yeah, we just like have to get. It, that's just how it is. That's what they. Yeah. yeah. That's what Christ that's promised. What Christ promised. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what I've seen there in, in that section. Mm -hmm. Great. Now I'm going to uh, jump back into the text at verse 11. Uh, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? Mm. That he really got into. <laughs> <laughs> so what I grabbed from these few verses is that uh, one and verse 12, that Peter was fully aware of his job to share the gospel and whenever the circumcision party had come around, he became a hypocrite out of fear. Mm. And what I want to apply to my life is that I can't let the world's view of me um, mm. put fear into my heart and stop me from sharing the truth. Mm. Um, so, you know, I <laughs> I struggled a lot with anxiety and stuff. Mm. And I, I once heard that there are over... 400 phobias that are recognized by psychologists and i am afraid of a lot of things like um i'm claustrophobic and um i don't like spiders i don't like bugs i don't like elevators highways airplanes <laughs> um windmills i'm afraid of a lot of things um yeah, windmills for sure <laughs> and um you know there's you know there are a lot of times where I, like i've been home alone and um there'll be like a spider in the bathroom or in my room mm. and I will actively avoid that room for the rest of the day until someone comes home to um, kill it for me. Mm. Um, but I would say just as my fear of spiders prevents me from going into certain areas of my room, uh, the, my fear of judgment of, or persecution from the world around me um, stops me from experiencing the fullness of God. Mm. Um, fear reverses our direction from Jesus and it can cause us to drift. And um, we can be free from that fear by identifying what fear is holding us back and taking it up to God and knowing that we're putting our trust in a God who fulfills and keeps his promises and will be, you know, with us to strengthen us every step of the way. Amen. Amen. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Fear definitely makes us, uh, you know, I, I think like the Garden of Eden is a great example of, um, you know, when they sin, they it used to in Genesis 2, it talks about, you know, they walked in the garden with the Lord, you know, and, and they would spend time with him. And then after they sin in Genesis 3, the Lord shows up and, you know, the Lord's like, Adam, where are you? Of course, he, you know, he knows where he's at, but he's like, oh, Adam, where are you? And he says, oh, I hid because I was afraid. I was naked. And what sin does is, drives us away from God rather than to God because we're afraid of, like you're saying, fear of judgment, fear of, you know, he was feared, afraid of being naked in front of the Lord mm -hmm. uh, as if the Lord hadn't seen his nakedness, uh, you know, however many times they've walked with the Lord. Um, but, you know, fear certainly, is, and, and I think the reason that we're hypocrites, because, I mean, all of us at some level is, is a hypocrite, is there's something we're afraid we're going to miss out on 
if if I don't, you know, take this for myself now, if I don't, you know, lie about this, I'm afraid what would happen if I tell the truth. If I don't, you know, enjoy this pleasure now, I'm afraid that maybe I won't get my, you know, my 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 blessing in the kingdom to come. You mm-hmm. know, it's like fear is what makes us hypocrites. And so if we the opposite of fear then is to trust and to to okay, Lord, I've said, you know, I'm I'm trusting you and mm-hmm. You know, I feel like right now, um, you know, my my situation, um, you know, as as someone that's kind of taken a jump from one ministry to the next, but uh, I'm, I'm in a gap right now between my next ministry. There's a little bit of, you know, I could fear and be afraid that, okay, Lord, am I, you know, have you forgotten me? Or, you know, what's going to mm-hmm. happen? But I think that I have a, a good, um, you know, a, a, a trust that the Lord's going to provide. So I, mm-hmm. I definitely think that's that's good. We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of a law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For those, for through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for me. Yeah, um, I love in verse 20 how he says he's been crucified with Christ. Um, so because of that, uh, he no longer lives, but Christ lives in him. And as a follower of Jesus myself, um, I my old self is has died and my new identity is in Christ. Um, but to be crucified with Christ means that you no longer live according to your flesh and that sin no longer has a hold on you. Um, it's been nailed to the cross with Christ and every day we have to give up our own self-will, mm. um, to do God's will because you can't do both simultaneously. Right. Um, and when we come across temptation, we have to think through our new identity in Christ because we're, you know, we're no longer a slave to sin and we have to ask God to help us put to death, uh, those sins that mm. kind of have a hold on us. Right. Right. And I think that that's why it's, you know we have to remember that we're we, every day we're dying with Christ and living with Christ. You know, it's the now and the not yet mm-hmm. kind of all mixed in where, you know, we, we have moments that it's like, Hey, this is, this is a dead part of me. I gotta, you know, burn it off. Let it, let it go. Um, and, and choose that, you know, choose to have that be part of, uh, part of the cross and, and then choosing then to pick up life and to say, okay, but now I'm going to live in the spirit and, and live a regenerate life. I think what's interesting to me is, how it says, you know, uh, the, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And that kind of reminds me a little bit of what uh, you know, Deuteronomy 7 says, where, you know, it, it's God speaking to his people. And he says, For you are holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord has had his heart set on you and chose you. Not because you were more numerous than all peoples, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors, he brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 
And I think that you see that sort of similar pattern where, okay, it's not because you were so great or righteous that God that that, that God you know called out Israel mm-hmm. or that He died on the cross for you. It's that He loved you, He chose you, He kept you, and that's why mm-hmm. you know I just I love the doctrine of the fact that God sovereignly decided out of all the people that He you know out of all the things and people to think that the Lord could have made time and space and history anyway, and He decided to create you and create me. And he decided, he moved first. He made the decision, I'm going to love you and I'm going to die for you. I'm going to choose you to be my son, my daughter. And it's like, he decided that. He moved first. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. Like, yeah. that that it wasn't that, you know, and he continually, just remember, you you weren't that great. You weren't that awesome. You, you weren't must save. It was when you were worthless and dying and 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 seemingly irredeemable i loved you and chose you and i died for you and it's mm-hmm. like you know oh my goodness like praise the lord that mm-hmm. that, that that's happened mm-hmm. so yeah i i'm i'm very thankful for that yeah um i also so in verse 21 um i remember when i first read through galatians 2 this verse it touched my heart in a big way i i i bawling my eyes out <laughs> reading this for the first time um at, at the time I was still learning and I was somewhat like not new to my faith but I was aware of the gospel but I was I was I was putting my own my imagination into like mm. what God was like and what Jesus was like and um you know I was doing a Jesus plus like you said like I was like oh you know I know the gospel um but I have to pursue holiness even you know to get God to love me instead of just letting him yeah um loving me as an imperfect person um and I I often thought that the gospel was just too good to be true and I had to do more I had to do more than what Christ had already done for mm-hmm. us. And so, um, you know, this verse helped me realize that I was hindering my love for Jesus and I, uh, by, and my relationship with him by belittling the work that mm-hmm. he did on the, on the cross and, um, you know, his gruesome crucifixion. Like it was, right. like, and, um, I was at that moment. I knew I had to be more conf- conscious about, um, when I try to take matters into my own hands and mm-hmm. when I try to control certain things, um, and it is, it is hard. Like I, I've gotten better at it now, like recognizing that and trying to, uh, correct that. Um, but it's been getting easier for me. Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think that there's this sort of, it almost feels too good to be true. Like you mean to tell me that Christ died once for all the, the righteous for the unrighteous and I get off the hook clean and perfect like yeah. there's nothing in your life that's that good of an offer and so there's something that's like no i have to at some point i got to pay some kind of cost at some point you know and i think that you know the reality is is on the one hand you know verse 20 i have been crucified with christ you know so so god has dealt with my sin completely he doesn't he's not looking the other way but he looked at it in the person of jesus and now 
through faith I'm in Christ and I'm what is true of Jesus is now true for me. That's why he, you know, surrendering to his lordship is so important. It's not just that he's a savior, but it's he's Lord, he's my king, my Messiah, and therefore what happened to my Messiah will happen to me because I'm in him. I'm in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. I've died and ro- ro- risen from the dead. What what's on me right now is his new creation. I'm I'm living in the the, the spirit. Um, but you're totally right of this is why I think Jesus plus culture is so offensive is you are denying that that Christ's work really wasn't sufficient. They might have been 99% of the way there, but we still need you to do some good works. Mm-hmm. We still need you to get circumcised. We still need you to do. And it's like, well, then Christ really didn't. Then he died. You know, as I said he, he died for nothing. Yeah. You know, apparently that wasn't all sufficient. You know, that was just a piece, but maybe we could have done it anyway. You know, that mm-hmm. was what the Jews already said. Well, if you, you know, get circumcised, you're, you're part of the family of God. And what, you know, Paul is saying is the only thing that gets you in, the only reason that you'll be uh, elected into heaven is through faith in Christ and the grace that comes to those that are in Christ. And so, yeah, I, I think that this verse just blows away Jesus plus culture. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that, you have to kind of decide, like, you know, what is your faith ultimately resting in? You know, is it resting in, hey, I'm a good person? Is it resting in, well, hey, I believe that there's some kind of God above, you know, maybe floating up in the sky? Or does your faith rest in the person of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and his ascension to the right hand of God? And I think that unless you have a, a Christocentric faith, that it's it's hooked in and and you know based in jesus christ it's like then brother you're not you know you're 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 not in safe territory you Mm -hmm. you need to to be in the person of christ because he's the one that died he's where your sin gets its punishment Mm -hmm. he's where you get risen from the dead so yeah i I think that this is you know galatians 2 just absolutely the heart of the gospel and the good news and that's really what it is you have no other way to describe it it is good news that damnable hellbound sinners can be forgiven not based on any work mm-hmm. but because the finished work of Jesus Christ you know righteous died for the unrighteous once and for all you know it, it is finished and complete and you know really praise be to Christ who who saves us from mm-hmm. from you know saves us from all these things yes mm-hmm. yeah so i think that that's the end of galatians 2 and um this has been enjoyable and i had a lot of fun and uh yeah i guess we'll see you guys next time <laughs>